This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Well, how the heck are you here on a Friday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show riding into Father's Day weekend. Here we go. Let's go. Steve, did you make any requests if you were uh, prompted for Um, an answer as to what you might need for Father's Day? Nobody asked. Nobody. Oh, dear. (laughs) You're going in blind this weekend. the ones that don't have kids who might, you know, still think about me as being a dad, they don't live here, and they got yeah, like, they're doing their the, own thing. The two that live here, they are dads, so they're like up to their at, eyeballs. In, yes, they're up to their eyeballs in busy, and they're up to their stuff. eyeballs in, you know. I get it. Trying to act like a dad. So, I get it. You know, trying to act like a dad. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I so uh, I am admittedly not an easy person to shop for. I don't really. Are hard. I don't really ask for anything. I don't really communicate anything that I may or may not need. Often the things I need are practical things like dress socks, you know, because I right. like. Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm ready to go through the heel on a few pair of my dress socks. I could use some new. Uh, nobody wants to get anybody right. dress socks. Right. Nobody wants. You know what I mean? Well, so I I end up annoying people. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm at that stage in life where. If I need something, I just go get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need, I'm like, you know. I got it. Uh, don't worry about uh, me. I got it. I'm, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I like, you know, I'll just, I'm going to go out and I'm, I'll buy a box of cigars or, I'll, there you go. You know, or whatever. It's whatever. You know, I mean, it I, takes a long time to craft a life where you get to be a dad and it's hard to buy stuff for. Yeah, and that's and that's probably a good place to be, right? Oh, yeah, and it's not a bad place to be. I've never wanted for a lot, so I got plenty, and that's fine by me. So, uh, yeah, we'll all just sit around and have people cook for us, and you'll be watching the U.S. Open undoubtedly on Sunday. That would be my plan, but I think it's a coin flip as to whether I oh, see a single shot. Oh, that might get hijacked. Shot. I think I got a fifty-fifty chance of seeing a single shot. Because everybody's gonna be over the house. And I got a birthday party. I got a around. birthday party tonight for the youngest grandchild. That's tonight. That's tonight. Which her birthday is like eight weeks, like gone or forward. I think it's eight weeks behind us. But they're so busy they can't have. This it. is the first time they're yeah, getting a chance. First to... time they can take a breath. Wow. Okay. Right. Well, you know, think about it. She's got three older siblings, all yeah. seven years and under. And they all, they're like soccer and dance and, you yeah, know, you're running summer around. camp. I, I remember that day. Wheelhouse. I mean, oh, my gosh. So, you know. So tonight we're going to have the all right, the, two, the second birthday, two, two-year-old birthday party, which is, you know. Actually, let me just, let's just have, we should have this a little poll question. Okay. Is it better to have like a nondescript, like, a, like me, like a 61st birthday mm. or to attend your two-year-old granddaughter's birthday. It's it's one or the other? Yeah, it's, which is better? That's my point. For me, the two-year-old's way better. Yeah. My 61st birthday, even if it was a part, I mean, what do you do? I mean, 61, that's like, eh, it's not like 65 or 60 or turning 50, yeah. you know, where it's like, wow, you know, kind of a milestone. It's 61. The two-year-old granddaughter's way better birthday, is it not? Well, yeah. I mean, even the, even the food's better. I mean, she probably won't remember a whole lot from it, but... That's what I'm saying. Who cares about but everybody her? Else Who cares is about have, my granddaughter? Everybody's else I'm talking is about have me. a blast. Right. I'm talking about me. My granddaughter doesn't care. Sugar as far as the eye can <laughs> see. Right. And 
Her food, the food at her second birthday party is going to be way better than my 61st birthday. Well, there you go. I think. I think I, you answered your own question since, then. Since I, uh, yeah, I brought it up because I'm, I was a little shocked by when I told myself that. I can't remember what I did on my birthday mm. a month ago. Uh, yesterday, Steve, me along with several of our fellow Bills, PSE, Sabres, Bandits, um, and Ad Pro people, ran in the corporate challenge down at Delaware Park yesterday. Uh, George in our control room was one of the participants as well. As uh, I was thankful he brought running shoes this year. Uh, he was far better equipped for the event. And uh, I got to tell you, I traffic down there, they try to mitigate it as best they can. They actually right. have parking at Buff State, and then they have satellite bus service to get you over there. I, I did not go that route. I got there super early. Um, and then it starts drizzling. And I'm oh. just like, oh, boy, are we going to get wet for this thing? Oh. So it's about half an hour before race time, and it starts drizzling. And it was windy, cloudy. It was, it was chilly. You know, we're all in yeah. shorts and T-shirts out there. Yeah. Yeah. Weather holds off. But for the first time ever at the Corporate Challenge, they did a stagger start. So they was too many people. Well, yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, I I didn't know what the number was, but it's usually around eighteen to twenty thousand people. I think it's that many, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's a ton. I'm bulb. I may be completely off. I don't know. But anyway, they assign you a bib number with a color code based on the time per mile that you feel you can run like i run eight minute miles so i will be assigned a green color faster runners get a red bib and etc 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 my bib so then they probably be black i'm pretty sure so then that well white was the one in the back yeah so they mine, mine would have a little red cross on <laughs> medevac alert the medevac um, yeah bib <laughs> They have his uh, they have his timekeeper assigned strictly to the yeah. ambulance. Or it wouldn't be a bib; it would be a black armband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so anyway, so they and then they they herd you into those areas, so you're with your assigned group. So you'll be running at about the same pace as everybody in right. your group. It makes sense. Yeah. But previous years, you know, they stack the faster runners in the front, right, middle, and back. They got the and then runners too they hit the to. gun, the fence goes down, and we all go off in one shot. Right. And so for the first, takes a while to clear for the first the quarter run. mile, you're kind of walking, half jogging, because it's got to stretch out first. This year, they stagger started it. So they let the, fe- you know, the rabbits go off first, and I'm in the second group, and we walk up to the line, and then we stop, and we're like, what's going on? Like, nobody told us we're doing a stagger start. They waited two minutes before we went off. Okay. So how many groups were there? I'm not I'm not knocking it because it worked great. Right. Because there was so much more space and you were able to get up to your running pace a lot sooner (laughs) because there's the you know, the melees of a mess of humanity was not there. So it worked great. I re- I'm I'm really appreciative that they chose to do it that way. Now, how many? But here was the thing: like mentally, you're getting ready to run a race. You hear the horn, oh and you, yeah. You're getting ready to go, and then they're like, "Hold on, you got to wait two more minutes." And it's just, like, oh yeah. It's like you on a kickoff. You're ready to go, and the ref says, "Hold on, we got to wait two more minutes." 
Right. And you're just like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I'm not trying to compare the corporate challenge to an NFL kickoff. No, I get it. But I'm trying to put it in your perspective. Yeah, it – I got a story for another time about getting held up. But um, you're right. The the corporate challenge in Buffalo is, like, big. Yeah. It's big, big. I was – years ago, I got a chance to start it, you know. Oh, cool. With a a horn, you know. And I was – flabbergasted at how many people were there yeah every i mean everybody was there it was unbelievable there's thousands and thousands of people there at delaware park so anybody that is running i couldn't this, believe it it's a three and a half mile run so it's a little more than a 5k which is so wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait so you got these guys that go out there and they can run they can run oh they're like moving 430 and we had 430 miles or you know like that right so i'm my question is if there's that many people running they got these two minute intervals did the guys finish before the starting line, no, because I don't think there were that many. There were, I think there were only four groups. Okay, it was red, green, blue, and then the white group in the back, okay. which is walkers. Because there were a lot. There were women there pushing radio stroll- announcers. There were women there running, pushing. <laughs> yeah, there were women there running and pushing their strollers with their kids in them. Like, do that for what, three next, and a half miles. That was impressive. Year, I'll run it with you, but you push me in a stroller. <laughs> Just to I, be, dude, I, I am just not so I pushing can, you. Just, I had enough trouble pushing myself up a hill. It would just be me and a case of beer. Anybody that has run that race, though, on that course, knows that mile three is uphill. awful. Is uphill. Because you're coming out of the S-curves back yeah, to Nottingham, yeah, yeah. and it's you don't realize when you drive in your car right. over there the incline there. And you're like, if you're pushing it, and then you get to that last mile – it breaks your heart. Oh, my God. It's like a slap in the face. Yeah. It's just, hey, nice job so far. How about them apples? And you're just like, ugh. I'll tell you this, though. When we, when we ran the turkey, when you run the turkey trot on Thanksgiving, you come up, it's, it's rough. And then when you get up there in Delaware, right around where the, I think like the Saturn Club, where that is on Delaware, you turn down, and it's all downhill to downtown because it's all downhill to the, to the downtown yeah. city. And that's pretty cool. That, that's nice then. But I'm, I get you. Yeah. You get that. You get on those road races, and then you turn the corner, and all of a sudden it's like, ah. yeah. It was yeah, that's the stupid. last mile and a half was not fun, but we finished. We we all survived. How many had some good dinner afterwards? How many of our coworkers? I mean, what what kind of showing did the Bills organization have down there? I want to say we had about well, there I think there were about thirty people total, and I would say for Bills people we had about eight to ten, so right around a third of the group. Okay. So we did all right. Uh, I would so like. Wait, wait, we had twenty people who were there that didn't run. No, no, thirty people were there to run. Oh, okay. But as you know, we have a a big umbrella. You know, it's PSE, oh, yeah, it's Ad Pro, Sabers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, I don't think any of the Rochester people came in. Right. But uh, yeah, I would say we were about a th- close to a third of the group. So yeah, it was it was a good showing, and well, that's it's nice. it's one of those opportunities where you actually see people that work in the other buildings, like who's right. down at Key Bank Center, right, who's right. at Seventy Nine Perry. Who, so you get to see some of the people in the um, other buildings that we don't see here on a daily. We have basis. to talk about this is not about this is not about that. We're not. I'm just asking because out of curiosity, who are the big companies who had like sixty thousand people there? Was it like M and T there, and they had like a yeah, they people. were there. I, I didn't really see the size of their tent. Do what you know what Kaleida? the funny thing is? The thing that I find the most humorous at the corporate challenge are the school districts. Oh yeah, because the school You've districts. Said this before the We've school districts call- <laughs> show up, and what is it? It's June fifteenth yesterday. They are 
already into exam week. The school year is done. You can tell. The school districts go hard. <laughs> I know. At the corporate <laughs> challenge. It is, you know the school year is almost over because they are going hard. Bless their heart, There man. are some you tents you where hold. half the racers, I don't even think, got to the starting line. you got to love it, man. When <laughs> teachers, when the teaching staff cuts loose, man, man, it is gone. You know it's the end of the school year. When you go out, oh, my God, it's funny. That There's awesome. a lot of good people watching out there for sure. That is awesome. Um, but we had a good time. It was good to get out there. Congratulations to the Corporate in. Challenge and all those people who ran it. Way to go, Brownie. You, you held us up here at One Bills Live. That's right. I, well, yeah, me and George did what we could to kind of fly the flag, so to speak. But we should get to a couple of news and notes. And the biggest one is the Bills training camp schedule is out. If you did not see it out on social media – or you didn't see it uh, on buffalobills.com, you can go there and get all the dates so you can make your plans. I had some people tweeting at me last weekend, Steve, asking, hey, do we know when training camp opens? I had a guy from out of state who asked me, he said, hey, do you have any insight on the training camp schedule? I said, I think it's going to be announced next week. He's like, oh, good, because i got to make my plans. He makes hotel reservations to go to two or three days of training camp. This is how far I gone some of our fans are. I was going to say, Bill, Bill's fans are awesome. They're absolute best, but some of them are goners. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm coming I go, from out of state. Now, look. I'm not saying I don't love the Bills. I do. But I go to training camp because I get paid to do it. Man, they ain't no other reason. <laughs> that is, I will say, that is a commitment among commitments. I understand coming out of state for a home game, the atmosphere here is Absolutely. like unmatched. Absolutely. I totally I'll get do it. That. And training camp's great. Like, the venue, the weather, all of that. And you want to get your first look at what your team's going to look like in 2023? I totally I get, get it, all yeah. of it. But that is a commitment, and it is impressive, Bruce Lee, to you say the least. In, you know, make that, make, to go to the expense and the trouble to go to some training camp practices. Right. And, I, and I'll say this. You're close, and it's casual, and you get an idea, and you see the guy. You can see a lot of what's going on. A lot of guys that may not make the team that do, and you get to see them away from competition when they're practicing and how they interact with each other. And mm-hmm. there's some cool stuff and, and the atmosphere. But you're still sitting in stands. You're still sitting in, a, in bleachers There's watching. access to the players that you don't typically have during the regular season unless you get in the building like right at 11 for a 1 o'clock game, and you can get down by the rail and maybe get some autographs and player warm-ups if you're lucky. I know. Play catch man, with oh Stephon Diggs. That's a roll of the dice, though. It is a roll of the dice. So your odds are a lot higher at training camp, you know, to get an autograph or yeah, somebody uh, by the fence. Maybe. You know, people are going to be hot after Dalton Kincaid's autograph. Too. Yeah, I don't say this too. Josh has been awesome when, he's, when I've witnessed him at training camp. Now, certainly not every single person who wants to meet him and talk with him gets to. But, man, oh, man, he – well, he signs to his hand on He signs and signs and signs and signs. You know, it's, it's especially for the kids. And sadly, as you can tell, there's always going to be a handful that are like mad at him because he didn't get to them, right? And the guy, you know, he's only got so much time in the day. I used to, I used to really tip my hat to Jim and Thurman because I, at one point, Marv or Ralph or Bill Polian said, "Hey, listen, guys." You're the best players on the team. You got to make take an extra half hour and sign autographs outside for these guys because we're getting pushed back from it or whatever. And so they did. I mean, they'd oh, sit there and they'd sit in. They had golf carts back in the day. They'd sit in their golf cart and do it while they were sitting down at least. But man, oh man, those guys! It is a different atmosphere. They are more accessible. 
And it's an extra responsibility that really good players have. Yeah. So the first training camp practice will be Wednesday, July 26th. All of the practices are morning practices, with the exception of the return of the blue and red to Highmark Stadium, which is Friday, August 4th. So I do know that that's one of the practices that typically requires a ticket for entry. It's not a charge ticket, but you need a ticket for entry, I believe. And those, those details will be announced in due course if they haven't already. I didn't get a chance to see what's up on buffalobills.com today. Um, Yes, they do. I think they give tickets out. But there are some. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it says it right here. All fans attending this year's sessions will be required to obtain a mobile ticket, which will be available free of charge at buffalobills.com slash training camp. So season ticket members will have access to a training camp ticket presale and Monday, June 26th. And this all is for training camp consists of when they break camp, it'll be after August 10th. It'll be right before the first preseason game, August 11th, 12 practices, 12 practice. There'll be a couple of days off scattered in there too, but there's Mm -hmm. 12 practices at St. John Fisher. Uh, We always get this going over there too, uh, because it really was a, when the, when the Bills moved their training camp to Rochester, it was big. It worked great. It was exact, everything they wanted it to be. And now, ever since, and it, particularly COVID and all the things that have happened since then, the, every, the old line is, oh, gosh, I wonder how long it's going to go on. Are they really going to do it? Because the facilities here at One Bills Drive probably could handle a training camp for the team. But I do believe Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott like getting the team sequestered at an off-site location. They really think it adds something to their preparation for that season-opening game, That's, getting, them, you know, getting cohesion. Yeah, and bonding. Bonding. And, and I think forced – you know, it kind of forces the guys to do that. And I think they really like it. So I still think I still think St. John Fisher is going to be there for the foreseeable future if they right. can make it work. Yeah. We know they're going to be there this summer. So stay tuned to buffalobills.com. And if you're a season ticket member – you'll get the opportunity for a pre-sale to get tickets to a couple of practices of your choice at St. John Fisher. Friday. So looking forward to that. Friday, August 4th, 5.30 p.m. at Highmark. Yeah. It's about five and a half weeks away. It's going to come up fast. We're going to blink and we're going to be there. But looking forward to it. Should be great. Should be exciting. And, you know, it's, it's the start of another run at this thing, man. Start of another They're going to be in it thing. again. They're going to be in the conversation again. And, and it's great because it's almost – well, it, it is better in some ways this year because, you know, because of the way they ended their season laying an egg, they're, everybody's like they are just so – they're like a hot potato. Nobody wants anything to do with them, which is right where I think Bills fans are most comfortable having everybody overlook us. We're so kind of used to it. Nobody's picking the Bills, mm-hmm. which is kind of awesome. Love it. Let's stay (laughs) under the radar. I'm all for it. Let's go around the NFL as we have some news to bring to you on that front. And Aaron Rodgers, did you see this, Steve? FoxSports.com reporting this. The Patriots made an offer to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers, but his agent rejected it. So Aaron Rodgers refused to trade to the Patriots this offseason. Can you imagine 
the papers and the fans in New York, after all this talk about trying to get Aaron Rodgers, if he went to the Patriots, oh my gosh! Rubbed, it would just be you just, another. You could just rub oh. rub the disgust on your face. Oh my gosh! It was so. It would be Can so. Can you delicious. imagine if that happened? Yeah. You know the angst that all those Jets fans had before this thing got done. You imagine if the Patriots could somehow convince Rodgers to go there. He's the polar opposite of Belichick, though, isn't he? Well, one of the reports I saw is that they saw the Patriots offer and. Rogers' agent said, no, no way. There's no way. So I don't know whether the Patriots' offer was uh, a low-ball offer, which is in line with what they've done in the past for their players and their quarterback in particular, or whether it was just Aaron Rodgers saying, I don't want anything to do with it. We heard nothing on the Patriots. The only other team yeah. that was speculated as to a possibility of slipping into the conversation with the 49ers. Right. Because the situation was very uncertain, both with Trey Lance and with Brock Purdy coming off the elbow injury. Mm -hmm. And San Francisco is as close to Chico, California, as you can get, which is Rogers' hometown. And so it's his quote-unquote hometown team. You know, make amends for passing on him in the, 0, in the 07 draft. You know, whatever. So they were rumored as a team that might swoop in. That never happened, obviously. And now he's a New York Jet. But, man, that would have been oh, the, the angst and the ire and the venom and the vitriol oh would have been well, palpable it'll in be New interesting. York. Now the Jet-Patriot games just got a little bit more interesting this year as well. Right. And speaking of the Patriots, the DeAndre, the DeAndre, the DeAndre Hopkins visit came and went, no contract offer formally from the Patriots, as it appears Hopkins is, is fine to take his time in making a decision to see if somehow, some way, more money comes out of the woodwork for him to secure. I would say more and more it, it's almost a guarantee that he's going to be playing on a one-year deal because, number one, he's probably not going to ultimately get the money he is seeking. That's number one. So, number two, try to – hit it out of the park this year, wherever you sign, so you can get more money in free agency next year. That would seem to be the play here this late in the game. But where does he end up? I don't know. I guess he's hoping some other team turns up as a possible suitor for his services. And, you know, then you can pit one team against the other. Right now it's just Tennessee and New England with whom he's visited. I Yeah. I don't, they – People were saying, yeah, it went very well in Tennessee when he visited, but the, the simple fact of the matter is he left town and they, they put him in coach, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, they ceased trying to uh, impress him, I guess, was the idea. Yeah. So I – and, you know, he didn't – he doesn't – he's been known not to like to go hard at practice. Right. And that kind of thing. So he may be just saying, listen, I'm going to wait till the end of the training camp. Well, and there is – there are reports out of New England that internally with the Patriots organization, there is some concern that he is not a culture fit because of his reputation of not practicing and not taking care of himself enough. You know, we hear what, what did Belichick say after their last Super Bowl? No days off. No days off. Well, this guy takes days off. 
<laughs> and maybe takes routes off, too, in games, for all we know. We don't watch well, the yeah. film as closely as coaches do. So, yeah, that, that might not work in New England, ultimately, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it might not. As he bides his time. This is a subject that's been very quiet this offseason. A contract extension for Justin Herbert. We know that the Bengals are working on an extension for Joe Burrow, who astonishingly is set to make $5.5 million on his rookie contract this year. What's interesting is their mum's been the word out in L.A. on a new deal for Herbert, who was in the same draft class as Burrow, as we know, and can be signed to a, con- a multi-year blockbuster contract now that he's three years removed from his rookie deal. And he's been participating all through the spring, OTAs, mandatory minicamp. There are ongoing contract negotiations. But at the end of minicamp, Justin Herbert was asked, will you rule out the possibility of holding in? That's the new way that players protest their contract situation they report to training camp but they don't practice so they're there so they don't get fined because the fines are pretty exorbitant now Mm -hmm. and he said the role of the quarterback is to be out there for his team and do everything he can to put that team in position to win but also said regarding holding in i guess we'll see so there is the possibility that he goes to camp and is not doing much on the field the first few days unless they get a contract extension in place prior to Chargers training camp. And the same could potentially hold true for the Bengals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow is going into the last year of his deal. Joe Burrow. Yeah. He's going into the last year of his deal for $5.5 million. And I know 5 Well, did they, they did pick up the 50-year option, right, on him, and they did it with Herbert, too. Well, this was the last year of that option, wasn't it? No, they're the 2020 draft class. So that's 2020, 2021, 2022, 20. This is year four. So if you pick up the 50-year option, they, they still have him under contract for next year. I think both teams did that. Mm-hmm. So they're both getting – So they're insulated they're Kyler to some Murray, degree. They're going as soon as they can get the, uh, the extension done, they're going right. to try and do Which it. Which is what was done with Josh, so – right. And I, that's all well and good. The those guys to me in the current market and landscape hold the cards. If they can hang out for eighteen months, not even two seasons, two two seasons, they'll start getting franchise tagged and all of that. It's and they'll. Then if those guys hit the market at the same time, the same they're, year, they're not free, hit the market you can't. They yeah, right. I'm just thinking one of those two guys is going to make fifty million a year. Yeah, it's got to be Joe Burrow too. I would think Burrow makes fifty. Average uh, I, annual value. The only thing that the only reason I I hesitate to say, of course, is because it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Um, that's. That to me is an issue, and it always has been. They right. have they've been notoriously uh, frugal. That is true. And although they've been better in recent years, sure. But you know, and, it's the cost of now, doing business. But the rubber is now meeting the road. This is some of the similar development of the roster that we saw here in Buffalo. Cincinnati and the Chargers are a couple of years behind 
in their build, much like the Bills are about a year or two behind the Chiefs in their build. And these are the different decisions that come down the pike. Now it's time to pay your franchise quarterback. At the end of this season, it's going to be time for the Bengals to decide on what they're doing with T. Higgins. You can't pay T. Higgins and then a year later pay Jamar Chase. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to, That's right. You can't fit them both. That's so you right. got to pick one or the other. If so you, T. Higgins is probably out the door after this year. If you're going to fit Unless them, you franchise him and play him one more If year. you're going to fit them all under your, under your salary cap, you're going to have to get started. You have to get signed one, then make the other one wait, and then get them staggered so that you can fit the, bolt, the signing bonus of one, and you get over that, and you get a signing bonus for the other the next year, and then the yep. next year. You know, you got to stagger those contracts. You can't – they're just not going to be able to make it work that way if right. they don't. Or, like you said, one of them's going to be shipped out. This is when the hard decisions come, when you have to sign that quarterback to the monster second contract. Right. It gets harder to keep your roster intact. We wanted to remind you – Hey, it's Friday. The OBL Friday Fan Mailbag is there for you to submit questions. Your most pressing Bills questions, NFL questions, whatever's on your mind, fire it off at us at One Bills Live on Twitter, or you can give us a call, 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Maybe you have a question about training camp. We can help you with that as well. So anything on your mind, open lines for you, 803-0550-1888-550-2550. We take your calls and your questions next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live on a Friday, which means only one thing. The OBL Friday Fan Mailbag is open. Any question on your mind, fire it off to us at 803-0550-1888-550-2550 or hop on, hop on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live and fire off your question there if you can't give us a phone call. But we go to the phones first. Leading us off from north of the border, Walter in Toronto. What do you got for us, Walter? Hey, guys, I... Uh... I've been following the whole Diggs thing with quite the fascination, and there's been so many conflicting stories and information. But I can rely on one thing, and that is what I saw on the field. You know, in the last game against uh, Cincy, I was in the stands for that one. And then I'm thinking back to that game, that snow game that they played in Detroit against Cleveland, and just the way Diggs was acting and kind of showing up either as quarterback or as uh, the play calling and – and I don't know if that – I'm wondering what you guys think in terms of how does that bode for the future. I, I, know, I know that kind of, uh, that kind of situation in, in competitive sports isn't always good. I mean, do you feel the team's going to be walking on eggshells uh, all year uh, because of this, or, or do you truly think they're going to be able to put it behind them? All right. Thanks, Walter, for the call. Walter, I think they're really going to be put, able to put it behind them. I think – there's nothing to me about any of this that I've heard or seen or saw that makes this makes me think this is going to be a an issue going forward. Um, and certainly, they want to make it work with Step because they they treat him like family. I mean, he's he's a close friend. Josh said he plays himself, at a high he level. Called him a brother. And and you know they they're going to try and make it work with him. And I'm, I'm going to say try and make it. It will work with him. Um, I think this um, 
incident we had, if you call it that, or with this conversation that we've been told happened between Steph and whoever, I think they stem from his frustration that the team is not getting to where they want to be. Um, perhaps he has some serious ideas about why. If he does, you can bet Josh knows, Sean McDermott knows, Brandon Bean knows, and a lot of teammates know exactly the way Steph feels. Be, there's no reason to be shy. So I don't think they're going to walk – and believe me, nobody's walking on eggshells around Steph in this building. They, I mean, they'll treat him with love and respect, but if there's hard truths to be told, they will not hesitate to let him know. Yeah, the leadership structure here is strong enough. I, I think people feel on the outside like Diggs does whatever he wants and nobody checks him. And I think that's a, that's, a that's a misconception because there are veterans in this locker room that will check him when they think he's out of line. So to think there aren't checks and balances here when someone brings issues to the table, whether they're le deemed legitimate or not, I think would be a, a, a misconception because they do hold each other in check. They hold each other accountable. Now, I don't think you have to hold Diggs accountable in the responsibilities he has as a player and as a captain. But if he comes to the table with something and they think he's out of line, they're going to tell him he's out of line. Or they don't hesitate. Yeah. They they'll explain it to him, and they'll explain yeah. why. They, here's the thing, and I, and I said it yesterday. I've been saying it, and I'll say it again for those of you who are just catching it. Um, the Bills culture that we hear so much about, that, is, that they're so proud of, that makes guys want to come in here and play for this team, it's not – you don't build a culture to prevent – things like this from happening. Your culture helps you handle stuff like this. This this kind of and stuff And grow from it. This kind of stuff happens on most teams, particularly teams that are growing. Where you got somebody who wants to take another step and it's taken longer than they think it should or it's coming in in a different way or they're not seeing it fast enough, whatever. Um the Bills culture that we've heard so much about and the players take so much pride in and free agents want to be such a part of, they want to be a big part of it. That culture is built to handle things like this, not prevent them. Because you got fifty, you got ninety guys on the roster. You don't think that you think this is the only issue that they're dealing with. You think this is the only personal thing? This is the only one a lot of people care about. It's the only one that maybe held one star player out of one practice. But this is, you know, your culture is built to handle stuff like this and to grow from it. And that's what the Bills are doing. So, no, I don't think this is an issue at all going forward uh, and because the culture is built to handle stuff like this and grow from it, not let it fester, not let it boil over later on, not let it come back and say, I told you that kind of thing. This is, they're going to get this out and they're going to, they're dealing with it. And they're going to grow from it. That's what the culture is here. And that's why it's such, you know, a great place to work. It's because it handles stuff like this, not because it prevents it. Let's get back to the phones. Go to Mark in Lockport. What do you got for us, Mark? You're on One Bills Live. Good morning, Steve and Chris. How are you guys this we're, afternoon? I mean, good afternoon. Yeah, you're fine. We're doing well. Good, good. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't think the dig situation was necessarily something that he was mad at. I think it might have been Dean and McDermott. I think after the Cincy game, um, Dean and McDermott decided they had to change his behavior and acting out the way he does. And they talked about when's the best time to do that and thought, well, first day of minicamp. So they pulled him in, probably showed him videos of his actions and said, turned off the video machine and said, 
hey, this is not Buffalo. This is not our team. You can't do this anymore. Um, we're not going to we're not going to tolerate it. Um, so then they sent him home and said, look, this is going to be strictly private. We don't want to embarrass you. Um, but if you come to practice tomorrow and we expect you to, uh, we you you are committing to not acting like this anymore. So then McDermott goes in front of the press and says he's very concerned. What was he concerned about? He was concerned on whether Diggs would show up the next day or not. A pretty nerve wracking situation, but had to be addressed. Then when Diggs showed up, situation resolved i think Diggs showed up on tuesday with the intent to practice and that's what happened uh maybe i don't know that's a lot of speculation stuff I, we haven't heard any inkling of that and not that we would hear it i mean they're not calling us or telling us what's going on behind the scenes but i i'm that's that's a lot of supposition mark about a lot. a lot of stuff going on maybe I, it could be but man oh man i haven't yeah you're the first guy that i've heard say that so not that you don't have any credibility i just don't know that that's all right and what happened you're making big assumptions there and i think that's dangerous in an atmosphere where two of his teammates called the issue minor in nature i mean von miller said it's not that serious josh allen uh said it was going to be a blip on the radar so take that for what it's worth from people who are in the know 803-0550, the number to get on board. If you have a question here on OBL Friday Fan Mailbag, any question that you have on the Bills, the NFL at large, fire away. We're happy to take them. We do want to uh, not neglect the, the tweet sheet portion of this program, people that uh, can only submit questions on Twitter because they don't have time to call. We understand we got working folks out there. So we go to the mailbag online. And Brian says, or asks, do we know if the new stadium will be artificial turf or natural grass? It will be natural grass, Brian. And for those that are worried about the field looking crummy in the wintertime when the growing season is over, fear not. There will be heated coils underneath the field to keep the ground from freezing and artificially extending the growing season. This is a common practice in Europe, in all of the soccer stadiums. For years, they have had heated coils underneath the grass surface. It keeps the ground from freezing because the professional soccer season in Europe runs from August through May. So they have to get all the way through the winter with those grass fields. They do that by putting a heated coil system under the field. And that is the plan for new Highmark Stadium. So it will be grass. It will be heated from underneath to uh, keep the grass in pristine condition throughout the season. Pretty cool. Yeah. And I like that they're playing on grass. I think it's a safer surface, fewer injuries. Right. So I'm all for it. I'm actually glad to hear that they're going to be going with natural grass. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. It'll be, it's, uh, I'm going to say this for the next three years probably. You're going to love the new stadium, I promise you. And you're going to, if you want to go, you're going to be able to afford it, I promise you. Let's go back to the phones. We go to Chris in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Chris? Hey, how's it going, Chris and Steve? How are you doing? Good, good. good. You know, you know, I'm getting really sick of this whole Stefan Diggs conversation. The guy is a premier receiver in the NFL, and he's frustrated. I mean, when Jim Kelly was back in his prime, there was no social media or anything like that. I'm sure Andre Reid. Thurman Thomas especially had gripes about what was going on in the offense. Just let Diggs 
Dude, Diggs. I mean, he's going to be fine. He's, I mean, he's out there working with the guys. I'm so sick of everyone thinks that he wants to leave Buffalo and so on and so on. It's like, no. Like, he just wants the ball. He wants to win. Like, everyone needs to get off him, man. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. The guy's a player. He's a baller. Like, freaking Allen knows it. I'm just so sick of everyone. Bill's mouth to think, oh, he's got it. He's a diva. He wants to leave. No. He just wants the ball. He wants to win. I mean, yes, his last three playoff games, he wasn't targeted. He was totally fine when uh, Gabe Davis went up. He should have won the game. 13 seconds. What do you want to do? Yeah, he was mad against Cincinnati. Just let the guy go. I mean, he's fine. Like, uh, it just it blows my mind that everyone is complaining about this. Yeah, I mean. It, it I, absolutely I, blows my mind. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Chris, most of, the, most of that. Yeah, um, I would agree. I get the frustration. I think what some may not realize is the impetus for digs more often than not i'm not going to pretend to know that this is the impetus in this situation but it was the impetus in minnesota it's been the impetus here in the past i wouldn't be surprised if it's the same reason now the guy has a burning passion to win a championship it is his ultimate goal in his profession of choice and he wants to do everything in his power to accomplish that. I think that probably a lot of this is rooted in that desire, and he's making the necessary checks so he has peace of mind to know that everybody else has that same ultimate goal in mind. Um, I don't know if they all completely agree on getting there in the same way, but that's probably some of the nature of the conversations that were had. And I think once everything was explained to all parties involved, I think they realized they had a lot more in common than maybe they realized in terms of pursuing that ultimate goal. And that's why, as you heard Sean McDermott say, it's resolved and they're moving forward. We have to take a break here, but John in Buffalo will lead us off in the next segment as we take more of your phone calls on the Friday Fan Mailbag here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live here on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as always. Going right back to the Friday fan mailbag in the phones where John in Buffalo is waiting for us. What do you got for us, John? Well, this whole big thing, I got to commend man. I mean, he had a problem. He was frustrated with something. Instead of sitting out and moaning about it and calling people names, he did the right thing. After all, the Buffalo Bills, these guys go to work. It's a workplace. You got a problem at your workplace, you go to your supervisor, you go to human resources, and you hash it out, and everything is fine. These guys live in a fishbowl. Social media and media just totally blew it all out of proportion. I got to give the man credit, and I'll hang up and listen to you. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Thanks, John. I would agree with all of that. That's You're right. Nothing more to be said. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he handled it internally. It's not like there was some run-up on social. I mean, look, cryptic posts and all of that stuff, make whatever you want of that. Whatever the real issue was, he hashed that out internally with the powers that be here. That's what counts. Yeah, absolutely. And we had the guy the other day call and said, you know, 
he was so, he's selfish. He's actually the exact opposite of that. Trying to trying to take the club through a hard situation, a hard conversation, and the club will grow from it. I'm sure. Yeah. Let's go to Big Slim down in St. Petersburg. What do you got for us, Big Slim? Hey, what's going on, guys? Not too much. What do you got for us? My question is: uh, You think uh, Josh Allen gets a championship? before he goes to the new house or in our new house? Oh, that's a good question. Do they win a Super Bowl before they move into the new oh, stadium? Oh, the new stadium, yeah. Okay. And what um, does that bring? And what does that bring us going into our uh, new stadium, too? I mean, like, uh, I mean, I already know what you guys are going to say. I mean, I mean, I'm a diehard Mafia fan. Of course I want that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you this. For me, you, it's a good question, Big Slam. I'll say this. What would happen – if they won the Super Bowl, but the banner the next season gets hung in the new stadium instead of the old one, that would be – I would bum out about that, I got to say. Oh, okay. If you win the Super Bowl I'm in this – I'm just going to tell you, I wouldn't care. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, from this end of it, it kind of – If we're like, hanging a banner – Who cares? You could hang it over the Rainbow Bridge yeah, that's for true. all I care. And, but think about it. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. A lot of, lot of sentimentality in this old stadium. Yes, and well, I especially understand for, why it for old guys like yes, me. Yes, for someone like you whose name's up there inside of it. So I totally get that, totally respect it. But I think priority number one is winning the whole dang thing. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, there is a chance That's they a could point. do that. As Steve has said before, this team has been good enough each of the last three seasons to win the whole thing. They just have not played their best in the games that are win or go home, namely the playoffs. So, we don't need to run through the list, but Steve and I just did a podcast this week that is out and available on all podcast platforms. Just look up Bills by the Numbers. That's the podcast that Steve and I do separate from this show, where we dive into numbers and a bunch of other things on there. And what we did was, we did a roster workup, and almost universally from top to bottom, the roster this year is better than the roster they fielded last year from a talent perspective and from a depth perspective. So nobody's talking about it, but we did on this recent podcast, so we encourage you to check it out. But I think it speaks to the ability of Brandon Bean and his personnel department to find good value on the free agent market that is going to help this football team, players with proven track records that can start and are proven starters that may not even start here. That's how good the depth is. You got proven starters coming to this roster who may not start. Right. I mean, that's that's saying something. So yeah. there's no guarantees about any of this. No. I mean, we've saw last year how how injuries can derail and sabotage a season. Yeah, you didn't and, have Von and, Miller for the last and that, five games. Right. In the and that can and that can happen to any team. Yeah, absolutely any team. And you know, good teams can overcome it to a certain extent. But when you run up against a team who is is good as well, has another strong roster, and is playing at a high level, and they haven't suffered that, it's a problem. I'm not saying that's how it happened, you know, in, in the Bills' losses or in the playoffs or anything else, but we all know um, this roster was hamstrung coming down the stretch. Yeah. And, and in more ways than one. So, yeah, they got over – you know, you're supposed to overcome that. You can, but, but that's part of the thing. From this end of the season – you like where you sit. You got the roster built the way you want it. You've got depth. You've got quality players with experience ready to come in and fill in for injuries. 
all of that stuff. Um, but there is absolutely, and all of us know, there are no guarantees that it's going to go the way you plan it. Right. There's only one team that's happy in the NFL at the end of the season. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to be joined in hour number two by pro football focus NFL and draft analyst Trevor Sikama, who is going to bring us up to speed on some of the better wide receiving cores in the league. Where did the Bills rank? We'll find out next here on One Bills Live. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Happy to be joined now by the NFL and draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, one Trevor Sikama joining us. Trevor, how's your summer going? Thanks for uh, giving us some time. Oh, it's going fantastic. Appreciate you guys having me on. We're just churning through all sorts of you know, preview content, seeing what the upcoming season is going to be, getting to know these teams, including the Buffalo Bills, as best as we possibly can. So that's what we got going on. Yeah, we're. It's fun this time of year because everybody's healthy and everybody looks all shiny, bright, new, and fresh. And and you know, you go down these rankings, and certainly on the surface, it it seems it's fun. But we all know that every paint job gets a nick in it, and somebody gets a dent in their fender as the season wears on. Uh, but you're. You know your rankings of the the wide rec- the receiving core, and I and I had to correct myself. It's not the wide receiving cores that you're doing. It's the entire group that, of pass catchers for each team. Give us an idea of of what you see, maybe some trends you see happening in the NFL with with the receiving cores of all these teams. Yeah, and as someone who's written uh, quite a bit of ranking articles over the course of this summer, let me tell you, every fan base <laughs> thinks that their team is going to be playoff bound, as I am reading a lot of the feedback for this. No, but, you know, the trends that we're seeing across the league are, are ones that, that you guys and everybody listening knows. It's an arms race for every team in the NFL. I mean, we are in the offensive age, and it's to the point where you can't just have a dominant number one receiver. You got to have a dominant one. Sure. But you also got to have a guy who could take the top off of a defense. You got to have a guy who knows how to win with two way goes in the slot, whether it's a smaller shiftier player or whether it's a mismatch, bigger guy, like a tight end option, you got to be able to have multi tight end sets. You've got to have guys out of the backfield who can help out the passing game in some way. Maybe that's sometimes more on the ground than it is. Even those swing plat passes out to the flat, but one way or another, The run game's got to help out the passing game just because teams are lighting up the scoreboards across the NFL. And so Buffalo still takes a top 10 spot for the receiving core unit, which takes into account running backs, tight ends, as well as wide receivers is still one of the best and one of the teams that can absolutely light up those scoreboards every single week. And so that's just what I've been seeing is when I do these rankings, it's tough. I mean, I did the individual wide receiver rankings uh, not too long ago and man, it's just you get to wide receiver 15 and you could make a case for them to be top eight, top seven. And it's just, there's so much receiver talent in the league right now. And you see this doing these kinds of exercises. All right. So with that in mind, you had the bills ranked ninth and you know, I think that's fair. Um, Question I have for you is we know that the Hopkins thing was floating around out there for a while and the bills were among the teams mentioned 
They create a bunch of cap space with the Ed Oliver extension, but then turn around and use it on Leonard Floyd, a pass rusher, instead of devoting dollars like that perhaps to DeAndre Hopkins. How much do you believe them not adding another offensive weapon indirectly points to how much they could be depending on Dalton Kincaid to diversify this offense? Yeah, I think that that's a huge part of it, right? And that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm excited about this Buffalo Bills team. It's one of my big reasons for optimism because, you know, it's not just about the talent that you have on the roster, but it's also about how you utilize it, right? I think that Kansas City Chiefs are one that everybody points to where they go, okay, you look at what they were able to do even without Tyreek Hill, and it's how they put these different guys in different positions to succeed when you have that elite quarterback like the teams at the very top do. You just want to put those offensive pieces in situations where they're going to be the most advantageous. Dalton Kincaid last year at Utah, elite 90.2 receiving grade as a tight end. That was the number one ranking for a receiving tight end that we had in our system last year. He was tight end one on a lot of draft boards for a reason because of that. And when you look at the Buffalo Bills trends over the last couple of years, yeah, they've definitely been able to light it up through the air. Josh Allen's been able to rip the ball over the last couple of seasons, but multi-tight end usage is not something that they have gone to. Quite frankly, at all. And you look at the numbers, 213 snaps of 12 or 22 personnel. That's at least two tight ends on the field. They're the last place in the NFL. It's just not something that they do. And not every team has to make that a major emphasis of their offense. But the fact that Buffalo was just so far behind what even the average of the league was for an offensive set that now becomes a strength for them. That's something that I'm really looking forward to. You have Dawson Knox, you have Dalton Kincaid, you've already got good receivers that you can move in and out. And I'm with you. I think that them not being as in on DeAndre Hopkins, maybe, you know, selling the farm to go get him is a sign that they're pretty comfortable with where they're at strategically. And I really do believe that Dalton Kincaid is a major portion of that. Yeah, we've talked at, our, at length on our show of how they have upgraded all across the board, starting with their offensive line with Connor McGovern and Osiris Torrance as the draft pick, David Edwards, a former starter for the Rams. One of the things we have discussed at length is how Leonard Floyd, the signing of Leonard Floyd, who we thought we were surprised they got him, landed him that late in the free agent market as an edge rusher. And certainly you've got, even in your rankings, you've got Vaughn still as a top 10 edge rusher off the edge coming off his injury. How does a guy like Floyd maybe affect how effective Vaughn can be having a Leonard Floyd proven on the other side? Yeah, and I think it just comes down to this, right? Especially when you're playing playoff football you can never have too many pass rushers. I mean, it's just impossible. You, you, you can never have too many of these guys that know how to get after the passer because even if you're not playing them in full-time roles, like even if it's situation roles, even if the uh, rotation of your pass rushers, edge pass rushers even, is very deep, you put these guys in unique situations where they're thriving when you put them out on the field. And that keeps offensive tackles on their heels because they're facing all different sorts of rushers of different styles of different preferences, different strengths and weaknesses, um, different measurables, like all of that just goes into it. So it makes a ton of sense for a team like Buffalo who, yeah, on paper, I, okay, maybe Leonard Floyd might not be a full-time starter for you, especially when Vaughn is fully back and healthy. But when you get into the playoffs, you know these guys are – everybody's dealing with little injuries, and the deeper that your room can be – and I would say this too, the more experienced that your room can be, 
it just it, it takes your potential of what you can be near the conference championship game, near the Super Bowl, to the next level. And yeah, I absolutely still have Von Miller as one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I, you look at even what he was able to do last season before his injury, the technique and just how much of a master he is of that position, even at his age, it's proven to be so effective. I, he, I mean, he, he might not be the athlete that he was in the prime of his career, even a couple of years ago, but his mind and how he approaches pass rushing is still good enough to be considered deadly and, and somebody who could be a game wrecker, especially in those fourth quarters. So I think Floyd is just another really great addition because it adds more depth, more uniqueness to all of the players that they can throw at the pocket and throw at different offensive tackles every single week. You guys, uh, you put together a write-up on biggest training camp battles across the league. Obviously, the middle linebacker one here is going to be under the microscope with Tremaine Edmonds now in Chicago, and the Bills seemingly deciding we're comfortable going with an in-house candidate. They did not bring in anybody new for that position. They're going to use a handful of guys in there that are already on the roster, including the third-round draft choice, Dorian Williams. Um I even asked their linebackers coach, Bobby Babbage, you got three or four candidates here. How soon are you going to whittle this thing down? Because ultimately you've got to get a starter ready to play in week one. And he kind of left it very open-ended. You can't have four guys cycling through taking reps. You got to get that down to three or two (laughs) pretty early in training camp if you're going to have a starter ready, right? Yeah, no, I I agree, especially for how – I would say versatile. It feels like linebackers have to be in today's NFL, right? You've got to be able to go heavy. You know, you've got to be able to have three linebackers that you're very comfortable with on the field. You got to have a guy who's in the middle controlling a lot of things. And we know that that's going to be Matt Milano, but you know, who's going to be more of the coverage backer. Who's going to be more of the Sam linebacker. Who's going to play on the line of scrimmage for you. You at least have to have those roles solidified and, and not that, what you have out there in week one can't change to week nine, week 10, and even maybe even when you're making a playoff push, but you've got to have a good idea because if not, especially when you're dealing with young guys, rookies, and they know this, you don't want to overwhelm them. Being an off ball linebacker and having significant snaps as a rookie is such a difficult ask. You think about what a linebacker is, right? You got to, you got to measure everything around you. You got to know the coverage behind you. You got to co- know the coverage, not only for the linebacker next to you, but the guys on the outside as well. You've got to understand the front where guys are slanting, if they're slanting, where your run fits are. And then of course your own assignments, whether it's a tight end, whether it's the quarterback, whether you're in a spy, if it's the running back coming out of the backfield, there are so many things that you have to think about so not only is the competition level and the speed ramping up from what you're used to going from college to the nfl but your responsibilities often are as well and we know that the smallest mistake can make the biggest difference in the world especially for a team in a winning window like buffalo is i'm excited to see what dorian williams can be though because in a draft where there just weren't a ton of true off-ball linebacker prospects or a lot of these guys who were former safeties turned linebacker edge rushers turned linebacker there weren't a lot of guys who were just like yep this is what i've been since high school i am an off-ball linebacker i'm playing in the middle of the field jack campbell was one of them and i think that's why you saw him get drafted so high but dorian williams was another one where he has the background to be that type of a player that you lean on he understands the position he's got nice athleticism when he can read and react and when that light turns green 
he is a missile straight towards where the ball carrier is and he's got the athleticism for it. So if he gets the reps in there and I'd love to see him get those, a lot of preseason reps, a lot of training camp reps and some early season reps as well. I think he could play a big role for them in whatever their rotation ends up being by the time they're getting to the second half of the season. As you mentioned, it's an arms race all over the national football league, but in the AFC East, Miami and Buffalo are now going to sport new defensive coordinators, guys trying to derail these offenses. The Jets bring in Aaron Rodgers. The arms race continues for them. Uh, the um, Patriots bring Bill O'Brien back to the fold. He's going to start trying to run the offense a little better. What do you think when you, when you look around, you see the change in coordinators around the NFL, and those guys are as big a difference maker for me, in my opinion, as any player you can sign. What do you think in the AFC East with – with Vic Fangio in Miami and now Sean McDermott here in Buffalo, is there a chance for defenses around the NFL to kind of balance the scale back away from the arms race offensively? Well, we know that the league is cyclical, right? It'll be offensively dominated for an extended period of time, whatever it is, half decade, 10 years. And then, of course, it, it'll bounce back around. And, and some teams figure out how to defend those better than others. And I am – very, very excited to see what Fangio is able to do in Miami. I know some Buffalo Bills fans might not be as excited as I am, but for a defensive mind like Fangio to have a really solid defensive front, some good linebackers now who are reliable players, and a secondary that was already pretty dang strong and talented, now you're throwing Jalen Ramsey into the mix. How is he going to be deployed week in and week out to – manage that chess game against what you mentioned, a lot of the best offenses in the NFL. And so I, I'm very curious as to what the counter is going to be. Is it simply going to be teams needing stronger secondary players? Is it going to be them emphasizing, all right, let's get more interior pressure because we know that if we get to the quarterback immediately, then all right, all these wide receivers, they can't even get into their routes, right? We're playing closer coverage. We're playing tighter coverage. Are we backing up a little bit? I'm curious to see what a guy like Fangio is able to do. You mentioned Bill O'Brien as well. Uh, I think that's a great hiring for the Patriots. Like, I understand that Bill O'Brien's time at the end of his Houston tenure wasn't seen in the best light, but man, he had, he, he coached some really great Houston Texans teams over the course of him being a head coach there. And I think that he is a really good offensive mind getting him with Bill Belichick, I think is going to be a good combo. And so, man, if we already thought that this was going to be one of the toughest divisions in the NFL and with those coordinator changes, it, it just got a lot tougher, no doubt. Getting back to, you know, the receiver rankings that you put together on PFF.com. Um, you mentioned that you included backs in the equation and I don't think there has been much made of James Cook ascension into a larger role here in Buffalo's offense. We know he is an accomplished, accomplished pass catcher. He did it at Georgia, uh, you know, granted in a rotational role with all the talent they have there. But that was a guy they lined up outside the numbers. The Bills did some of that. Ken Dorsey lined him up outside the numbers at times. But also, I mean, on swing passes, this guy is like deadly in terms of making people miss in space. What could you foresee for him going forward, knowing that the roadblock that was Devin Singletary is out of the way? Yeah, that was my favorite attribute of James Cook when he was at Georgia. He, he stood out for that reason for me. And I liked him 
even more than some of the Georgia backs that I, I think people focused on when it came to carries outside of the backfield. I was like, no, no, no. James Cook's going to be the more effective pro because he's going to be able to influence the game at a better level, right? You got to take a look at what guys bring to the table, what their strengths are and say, how do we project that to the next level? And what's the return on investment there? Is that something that is worthwhile or is it a strength that, yeah, it's not really impacting the game too much. What James Cook does from a receiving game standpoint to me, is going to be substantial to what their overall offensive output is going to be. There's plays that I watch from him in Georgia where I'm glad that you said the ability to make guys miss because that's what makes him such a deadly receiver, in my opinion. You get a lot of running backs around even the NFL who, if you release them to the flat, if you get them running a wheel route, it's a momentum route, right? I mean, it's guys who are just, they're, they're taking off. They're trying to make the most out of their speed. You're getting the ball in their hands, hopefully in rhythm. And they're already up to top speed. That is fine. That works. But James Cook can do that as well as run the Texas routes, right? As well as run, okay, I'm going to go up towards the tackle position. I'm going to stick my foot in the ground. And now I'm going to make a traditional off-ball linebacker try to cover me as I am immediately changing directions. That's a difficult ask. So all of a sudden with James Cook, not only are you demanding that they put somebody on him who has the overall speed to cover him, now you're demanding that they also have to have the lateral quickness to cover them. And that is an area that I think you can really attack because there's not a ton of linebackers, even some of the good ones in coverage, that have that kind of start-stop ability that James Cook is able to uh, to demonstrate. So I think that that specifically is a trait of his that can really thrive the more opportunities that he gets in the passing game. Trevor, thanks so much for spending time with us. Appreciate your analysis. I loved reading your stuff as well. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime. All right. We'll catch up with you down the line. That's Trevor Sikema from ProFootballFocus.com. NFL draft and regular season analyst here on One Bills Live. Want to get back to the phone calls here with the Friday fan mailbag open. Open lines for you at 803-0550, the number to get on board if you have a question about the Bills, the league at large, just about anything on your mind. And to a guy who has been waiting patiently, we go to Joe in Amherst. What do you got for us, Joe? Hi, guys. Listen, I'm going to give you my take on the state of the Bills as of today. And let's start with the pros. Number one, GM, one of the best, if not the best in the business. Number two, head coach and staff, 37 and 12, last three years. Anyone recall the last two decades? Number three, 50-man roster and practice this team as good as anyone in the league number four the fan base the mafia speaks for itself number five the quarterback most important player in football two words josh allen number six the three c's culture consistency continuity now let's go to the cons and i won't call them cons because i'm a positive guy i call them unknowns number one of course stay healthy Number two, reduce turnovers, drops in the red zone. Number three, good fortune, more breaks than not. Number four, a plan for success based on common sense, reason, and logic. And let's remember, hope is not a plan. Number five, turn off the noise. Don't listen to the pundits, the naysayers. Listen to people like Brownie and number 89. (laughs) Everyone relax and enjoy the ride. Go Bills. 
And Godspeed. All That's right. That, thanks, Joe. No. I, that, Joe, well delivered. That, that sounded like a book report, that man. That was very nice, Better Joe. than anyone I, I ever put are, together in high school. Yeah. Joe's way too prepared to be calling in our show. That's right. He is far too intelligent. Yes. He's, yeah, he's... He's single-handedly vaulted the IQ of our program into the stratosphere. He has absolutely raised the bar for a caller. That He had... I wrote him down. He had six points on the positive and six on the negative. Five on the negative, which he chose to call chose unknowns. Unknowns, which is more more accurate. Once again, thank you, Joe. Appreciate you. That was very nicely said. But he is right. We hope, got some hope. We got, is not a plan. We do have. That's right. We do have a lot of co- some callers today that we have agreed with quite extensively. I would say that is true. And Must be Friday vibe. Yeah, and he's right about some of the unknowns. Which you know, you got to be a little lucky. Mr. Wilson yeah. used to say that all the time. You got to have a little luck in your life yeah, it's, for things to fall healthy, your way. Staying healthy, but the the red zone turnovers and drops that Brownie and I've been Bang harping on. on that for months and weeks. Luck, yes. Uh, hope is not a plan. They don't need, you know. You don't need hope. You, all you need, you don't need luck. I'm saying you need some yeah. good fortune. It just just go out and do your thing. Yeah. You know, and tune and tune out. And it's harder than ever in this day and age. We all know it. You you can't pick up your phone without checking on what people are saying about you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so the players are no different than the rest of us if there's a conversation going on about them they want to eavesdrop see what what people are saying Mm -hmm. Uh, but you gotta know that it should not affect you in your preparation in the way you do your your process so there that's that's huge because they say success is when preparation meets opportunity and i used to have a coach that used to say you make your own breaks you know sure People can attribute things to good luck, but if you're prepared when the opportunity presents itself, you make your own breaks. That's right. So doesn't mean you can't get screwed by an official, but that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Way to go, Brian. Still a little bitter. Uh, I still can't get over that Tampa Bay game. You know, can't get past that one uh, from 2021. Yeah, there, yeah, there's been the overtime game. Uh, Horrible. Listen, I, uh, let's uh, quick take a question from the mailbag on at one bills live. Andrew asks, here's my question that I love to get your point of view on. If you were the GM or the coach, what changes would you make to this team this season versus last season? Well, go, go look at the transactions page of the, yeah. of the thing. I mean, they've done basically it. what they've done in the offensive backfield. I would say at the running back position, I don't know if I could, put my sign of approval on it any faster than they put their names on contracts. Damian Harris, I think, is going to be one of the most underrated additions to this roster, and right behind him is Puna Ford. Right. Uh, maybe I'm a sucker for defensive tackles because I was over the moon with the defensive tackles they signed last year, and Daquan Jones was probably the unsung hero of this football team last year. Now you've got a guy who's every bit as capable as him, and he's the guy that's coming in on a rotation to sub him out? Yep. Hello? you got two proven run stuffers that are going to rotate in and out on that side, and why that's important is because Jordan Phillips can now go back to a full-time three-technique position behind Ed Oliver. And I'm just going to tell you, Steve, do you know the player who has the highest single-sack season in the Sean McDermott era? Yeah, I do. uh, It's our boy, Jordan Phillips. It's Jordan Phillips, nine and a half sacks in 2019. Yeah. And I'll say this, too, that Puna Ford 
and Leonard Floyd. I mean, those are those are gets. I mean that that's Brandon, especially in May and June. That's Brandon being being the dude right yeah. there. I I think um, I'm with you, 100. percent I I think those guys are huge difference makers. And and the running backs that you mentioned. And then you're saying and you know the question was, what's your, you know, what would you have done if you were the just. Just what Brandon Bean did. Yeah, because the, the other thing the I would have listed was a difference-making tight end. Check that box. All, the, both guards are going to be brand new, younger and, and more athletic and bigger. I mean, I, it's just go down the list. Right. The, the only place that you can make a case where they, don't, they didn't have a long-term plan was the fact that they lost Tremaine Edmonds. And for $15 million a year, yeah, I have a hard time swallow. getting my mind around that for a, an off-the-ball linebacker. Ed asks in the mailbag, how's this preseason roster stack up against previous ones? Go listen to our podcast, Bills by the Numbers. We break it all down, top to bottom on the roster. You can find it on any one of your podcast platforms. But in short, it's better. We like it. They have upgraded everywhere. The only place you can't say they upgraded is middle linebacker because it's an unknown. That's the only reason why you can't say it's an upgrade. Yeah, it's going to be hard to say one of these guys that was playing behind Tremaine Edmonds is going to take his job and play better. But they will play different, and there are going to be times when they flash. No question about it. I, who knows? Uh, but I like the group of guys they got. There's like five guys mm-hmm. that have a shot at this. I think legit shot. And they're going to find out. And we'll, we'll, we'll know a week into camp who's elevating and you know how it's, how it's getting distilled there and who's going to take most of the reps. It'll be fun to watch. Matthew, with more of a statement than a question, He says, Sean McDermott is under fire by national pundits, parentheses, hacks, (laughs) and even some Bills fans. This is absolutely crazy to me. He has made mistakes, sure, but he's done far more things right. Excellent head coaches build perennial contending teams, and that's exactly what he has done. I said much of the same yesterday. To even think for a second that Sean McDermott doesn't spend every waking moment trying to find ways, new methods, and practices to make this the best possible team that they can put out on the field every single week and every single snap. You're nuts if you don't think that's how he spends every waking moment. Now, look, the guy still puts in time, you know, with his family. But when he first got here, he talked about how he had to learn the work-life balance as a young coach. And now as a head coach with even more on your plate, that probably becomes tougher, but he doesn't even he even does a good job of that. We see him in the field house all the time, you know, with with uh, his daughter doing the softball thing, you know, working with her in there. So uh, somebody said it earlier on the show, Steve, the guy is 37 and 12 in the last three seasons. Tell me the last head coach doing that here. Anyone? I don't know. If, Anyone? I don't know. Marv you got to go back that. to Marv. Marv, I don't know. Marv didn't do that in his first few years. Not in his first few, but by the time um, you guys got on that Super Bowl run, yeah. he was doing that kind of a thing. But yeah, that's true. Thirty-seven and twelve people. Thirty-seven and twelve. Don't be foolish. They are. You got a good one. They are an extremely difficult team to beat, even when they're not playing their best. And that's rare. And they play really well. Um, and they play hard for this guy. They do play hard for the guy, no question about it. But it is 
it, they are really tough to beat. And and you know, thirteen and three, three losses by a total of eight points, and two of those losses were absolute gift wrapped. Um, they're they're fun to watch, and I you sit here and, and we have lots of conversations about it, and I get it I mean, because that's what we do. We all of us do it. Human beings do it. You try and start okay, but we got we need to do this. We need. We're talking about. I mean, we're we're splitting hairs now in criticizing this team. Certainly, they haven't won a Super Bowl, haven't been to a Super Bowl under Sean McDermott. But when you start, you're talking about well, they only have five guys that may be a spot for this middle linebacker thing. They got they replaced their guards with three guys who are starters. On a you know, I mean, I, they brought Leonard Floyd in as a late addition and Puna Ford, I'm, and they got they got. Kyrie Elam coming back, highly motivated. Christian Benford, Dane Jackson, Tre'Davious White, healthy and back, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like we've never, like we haven't seen him in two years. That guy looks like all pro trade. Hyde thing. and Poyer coming back with, and by the way, they got the the safety starting safety from a, a team that just won the Super Bowl two years ago. That guy uh, to back those guys up or to compete. Matt Milano coming off a, an all pro season. You got Daquan Jones, you got Jordan Phillips, all healthy coming back. Ed Oliver under contract. I mean, and Jordan Poyer came. Don't forget, Jordan Poyer wasn't supposed to be here. He's supposed to be long gone, free agent. So it's it's really hard to poke holes in this thing. They, the guys they got to back up Diggs and Davis and compete with them, like Trent Sherfield and Hardy. Goodness gracious. Yeah. I'm I am really, really optimistic and excited about this club. Even I, I gotta say, I'm I'm even further along the line that in you know the way I feel about it than I was last year. Because I wasn't so caught up in the the you know the 13 second stuff last year. Yeah. And how just the missed. So we'll see. I don't know. Break time here. When we come back, more of your phone calls. Brian and Springfield will lead us off when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, here we be. One Bills Live on a Friday. OBL Friday fan mailbag still open for your questions. We go back to the phones for one and to Brian in Springfield. What do you got for us, Brian? Oh, hold on, let me get you here. What do you got for us, Brian? You're on One Bills Live. How you guys doing today? Good. 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 So so my, my argument is, and I get that you guys have to tote the line and everything like that, he can be 35 and 12, and it's great. We understand that defensive coordinators as head coaches – don't generally get you to where you want to be. What's his record in the playoffs? That's the four only thing that matters. He okay. He's four and five. He can only the, the fact that he's four and five is the only thing that really matters. And he has Josh Allen as a quarterback. He better be good in the regular season because he's got the alpha male. But the only time that matters is thirteen seconds. The only time that matters is against Houston. The only thing that really matters. We know this, right, Steve? We know this that you have to win the playoffs, especially with that type of talent, to be considered a great coach. And if you don't do that, in my opinion, then, then you're failing as a head coach. All right. And what should you, what's, what's your plan of action? Should they fire him? 
Um, I, I think the plan of action would be let's wait out this season because you wouldn't do it now. Great guy. So tons of what, what I'm saying, what I'm asking you, I guess, is this. Things, what I'm asking you this, Brian, is this. If the Bills don't win the Super Bowl this year, do you fire him? If they go to the Super Bowl I and do. lose it? Uh, no, I, no, I do. I do. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think that, that you can allow this window of opportunity to be great to get past you. And if we continue to say, okay, he's a great guy, we win a lot of regular season games, but we never succeed when it matters the most, then I think that you're failing the fan base and the team because this is our window of opportunity. Josh is only going to be so young so long. Six years later, we're still sitting here losing every time we get to the playoffs. You, you, you know what Andy Reid does? Andy Reid wins, and it's because he has a great quarterback, but so do we. But Andy Reid wins. Yeah, he lost, he lost, three, consecutive, he lost three consecutive NFC title games, Brian. He, he, he's got how many Super Bowls? I don't care about that. Like, how many Super Bowls does the guy have well, as a head coach? I, well, I'm, Brian, I'm, presenting you, I'm presenting you with the same exact argument that you just presented to me. You said if McDermott gets to the Super Bowl this year and doesn't win, you're going to fire him. Well, Andy Reid got to four NFC title games and, and lost Bowl. three of them and, and, and then and lost a Super Bowl he, after that. But, 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 Brownie, you know what happened? They fired him. After four appearances. So, wait a minute. He, he was in Philly, and they fired him after all of that. Success. After the fourth appearance. You don't do oh, it after course. one. We, 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 we can't. And, and who, was his, who was his quarterback? Don Donovan. Like Josh Allen. He, he was getting there. Again, Donovan's a good quarterback. I, I don't disagree. But he was getting there with less than what we have. We need to make a decision and say to ourselves, we cannot waste Josh Allen's best years. And if it is him as a defensive coordinator head coach, which we understand is not optimal, then you're in trouble. Okay, so let's, so let's take this a step further, Brian. Who is your answer to get as another head coach if you want to go all the way down this road to convince me that it's going to be better than what you have right now? Offensive coordinator, somebody. Right? So, okay. We understand the defensive coordinator <clears> – <throat> Defensive-minded head coaches generally don't get you to the promised land. We need to get an offensive mind that, and, and again, to be determined because we still have to figure out what happens this year. So, you know what I pray? I pray that Sean McDermott takes us to the Super Bowl and we win a Super Bowl. We're all Bills fans. That's what we want. But at the end of the day, I don't want to keep running my head into a brick wall. Okay, I mean, that, that's your opinion, yeah, Brian. You, Brian. You're let entitled me, to it, let me just so say this. I'll respect it from my end. We'll agree to disagree. Um, I get it, It took Brian. the Bills 20 years to find a head coach of this caliber that wins football games, has the team perennially contending, and if you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, that's, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. I understand where you're coming from. All the offensive coaching is in vogue now, and I get it. Last time I checked, Bill Belichick's got, what, six world championships as a head coach? Mike Tomlin's got one, defensive coach. Uh, Bill Cowher's got one, special teams coach. Uh, Tony Dungy's got one, defensive defensive coach. I mean, there are examples of defensive coaches who have won Super Bowls. Um, It's Um, not like there aren't any. I'll say this too, and I get that about you get back and you get this 10,000 foot 
view of the, and I get it, Brian, you're trying to look at the big picture. Hey, if you can't get over it, I'll just say this again. It's not my, it's my opinion. I do differ from your opinion. It's not about, and I'll say this too. It's not, it, it is a little bit about going 37 and 12. You're tough to beat. You're hard to beat. And you're going to get in the chance at the, at the ring every single year. It's about playing well on that day. It's not some magic, I'll say it again, there's no magic elixir, magic wand that makes one team better. It's about that team having something inside them that they can play well in tight moments. That doesn't mean you're never going to do that. It doesn't mean that you're incapable of it. It just means you got to play better on that day. The Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs, and who was it last year? The Dolphins, you name it, the Chargers, all of those teams have a lot of players, good coaches, great coaches, offensive coaches, defensive coaches. It's about playing well in the matchup that the standings say you're going to have that week in the playoffs. You're the one seed going against the eight seed, or you're the four seed going against the five seed, the three seed against the six seed. Whatever it is, you got to play well on that day. And your, your head coach, you're right, is, is responsible for getting you to do that. But he's not responsible for having four defensive starters out of the game. He's not responsible for a bad call on a pass interference. He's not responsible for a drop pass on a perfect play call. He's not, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like that that go on during a game, and every game is its own world and its own universe. This, this coaching staff, this organization – I won't even say it's Sean McDermott by himself. It's this organization is in the hunt. If there's games going on, they are in it. No matter whether it's regular season, playoffs, preseason, you name it. This is an organization that's in it. You don't change anything. And I know you, that's sacrilegious to some. you got to do everything different because it didn't work. No. No. No, you just do what you do and do it better, particularly on game day. You don't have to change the GM. You don't have to change the head coach because you lost to 13 seconds. You don't have to change uh, you don't have to change defensive coordinators because you blew a 16-point lead in Houston. None of that's none of that's you just got to keep on you got to get better, do what you do better and learn from the hard lessons you have. This is part of what it takes to win a world championship. It's part of what it takes. You get teams like Philly who, who slide in and catch lightning in a bottle one year, get a backup quarterback to come in. I mean, nobody wants a backup quarterback to come in. Philly does it, gets a little spark from it, and they win a world championship because of it. They beat the Patriots. Okay, that's part of, the, that's part of what goes into sports. You're, you get the best people you can, and you support them, and they'll figure it out, and that's what's yeah. happening here in Buffalo. So don't, you know, don't start talking about ejecting guys who have who have been all-time great for the franchise. And it's I'm, crazy. And I'm just going to say this. Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles fired Andy Reid, but it didn't do it until 2012, seven years after his last Super Bowl appearance. Why? Because they believed that guy could get them there every single and time. Too- and the guy they, ho- they, they hired after him was an offensive guru. You want to know what his name was? Chip Kelly. How'd that go? You know who they hired after him? Another offensive guy, Pat Shermer. How did that go? Seven and nine. So you want to find a replacement, any offensive coordinator? That's what the Eagles did. It went horribly wrong with their next two choices. There's no guarantees 
You know what you've got here. You hold on to that because he puts him in the hunt, as Steve said, every single season. End of story. We'll take a break. We'll be back to close things up. One final segment here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Got time for a couple of final questions. In the mailbag, Rachel asked, if Kyrie Elam isn't the starting CB2 by week one, should that be considered a disappointing pick? I like Benford and Dane, but if Elam can't beat them out in his second season, I think we drafted him too high. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, it's amazing. Now, I'm not saying that you know Christian Benford can't play or Dane Jackson can't play, and you know, but um, – it could be that Kyrie, while he would not, he'd be a disappointment here in Buffalo. Wouldn't mean he can't play. It could be that he, that the skill set he brought here doesn't fit the scheme or something like that, and he doesn't, or whatever for whatever reason, uh, he might fit somebody else. But I'm, yeah, I would say Kyrie Elam's got to set his sights on being CB two, f- absolutely. Um, it's and I think it a, would be a disappointment. It's going to be a heated competition. It is, though. He's not Between alone. those three guys. And I'll say this. Christian Benford is way better than anybody thought he was going to be. So there is that as well. So it, it, will, is a, it is a competition. It will be a heated training camp battle for sure between those three candidates and who can make a move on the other two and convince the coaching staff, I'm the guy. He's going to be pretty darn good because just by virtue of the people he's competing against every day. Right. Brownie, happy Father's Day. Happy, happy Father's, Father's Day, Day weekend, everybody. Yeah, enjoy your Father's Day, dads out there. We'll see you on Tuesday. We're off on Juneteenth Monday.